everyone and welcome to the Hormone Health Podcast. Like so many of you out there, I have suffered with hormone imbalance my whole life. Unfortunately, again, like so many of you, I didn't know it. I didn't know that the way I was feeling, the symptoms and struggles I was having had anything to do with hormones. I had no idea how important our hormones are to our overall health and how they affect all of our organs, not just our skin and periods. Well, all that changed when I was introduced to Clean Marine and started working with Dr. Mary Ryan almost four years ago now. My goodness. Mary and I hit it off immediately. And like me, she genuinely cares about women and wants to educate us about hormone health so that we all live our best life. If we have the information, we can adapt and cope better. I don't want my daughters, my sisters, my friends, any woman, in fact, suffering in silence through any stage of our hormones like I did. So we need to talk about it, share information. Knowledge is key. And that's why we are here today. Previously on this podcast, I've spoken to friends about their hormonal journey, I suppose. (laughs) Women in the public eye who are renowned for their honesty and openness, Maya Dunphy and Ashling O'Loughlin. And if you haven't heard those podcasts, please look them up. They do not disappoint. (laughs) So today I thought we'd go from experiences to expertise, bring in the heavy artillery (laughs) and invite Dr. Mary Ryan, endocrinologist, in to talk to us. Mary, you are very welcome. Thank you, Lorraine. It's so lovely that we're continuing this because I think we started all this four years ago, as you said. And uh, it was not talked about before we did that. Mm -hmm. And what's wonderful is that we saw that it was so needed. Mm -hmm. And once we once we did open up, it was like a can of worms. Every woman said, you know, why not? And when we were both in Castlebar last year doing the hormone health lecture series, one woman came up to us and she was in her 70s and she was crying. And she said, if only I had heard that 40 years ago. I know. know, And it's the truth. Yes. yes, And and we have had that reaction all over the country Mm, with mm. our our National Hormone Health Tour, Mary. And of mm. course, of late, we haven't been able to do that, no, obviously. Absolutely. So it's really important to have this conversation. Mm, I remember starting off um, with you on that tour and introducing you from the stage and not even being able to pronounce the word endocrinology, <laughs> which I am so ashamed of now to think that uh, that I, I first I didn't even know what it meant and I couldn't pronounce it. Mm. Um, can we start from there just to, Absolutely, to yes. educate women yes, about yeah. what endocrinology actually is? Please. Good. And, and it's great that you're being so honest because what we do need to do is educate women and educate all the, the men. And I hope they'll also listen to this podcast because their partners, their spouses need to know as well. So endocrinology is so important. It's the science of hormones. So what people need to realise is hormones are everything. They control our muscles. They control our immune system. So if we think of it, I always tell patients we're all skeletal but we're all completely covered in muscle. So every single one of those muscles needs a hormone. It needs to be primed by hormone. It gets down to the muscle by like a little branch in a tree. Mm -hmm. But if the hormone control centre at the top of the nose, which is the pituitary gland, is not well recharged, then the hormones are off. Now, as women, we have so many things going on that influence this. But that's really what, what endocrinology is. It's the science of hormones. Hormones control all of your muscles, every single muscle. And as you said, Lorraine, it's not just the outside. It's not just the skin. They control every single muscle, bowel muscle, heart muscle, lung muscle. People forget that there's muscle in all of these organs. So they control the ovaries, they control the womb, they control the bladder, they control all of your muscles. So without the endocrine system, your body just couldn't function, right? Control everything, but they also control the immune system. And why do we know so little about it then? I mean, particularly for women, mm-hmm. because hormones are a huge part of, of our life mm-hmm. um, through all stages of yes. our hormonal journey. Mm-hmm. You know, why do we not know as women that we should not only have a, a, a gene we need to have an endocrinologist in our lives. Totally, totally. I suppose, Lorraine, it's because, you know, you and I know that our mothers didn't speak to us about periods. They didn't speak about their own menopause because it wasn't the done thing. Their mm-hmm. mothers didn't do do it. And they just got on with it. Got on with it. And I suppose women really, we're doing this to empower women because women really in, in all society have been treated like second class citizens and this wasn't the done thing. If men had periods, we'd know all about it. <laughs> but women, no. And that, that's the tragedy. And I always say, you know, little girls get periods at 12. We should be supporting them. We need to talk about, we need to educate uh, because they're only children, but we need 
to, to embrace them and, and you know it, it shouldn't be a taboo subject it should be very much out there so that they can feel free to talk about and also their their um, brothers or their boyfriends down the road can support them in their journey because some yes. people have a difficult journey so I think in answer to your question Lorraine it's because it wasn't the done thing women were very much the second class citizens we are equal but we're not treated as equals even today so mm-hmm. we need to really push that drum mm-hmm. but I think by us doing this we are out here to educate women there probably wasn't you know I didn't have many female mentors in medicine when I was in Trinity College here in Dublin uh, you know I love when my medical students come up to and say to me Dr Ryan you're our mentor because you know as no but women it's so yeah. important that we have women to look up to mm-hmm. so I suppose women do look after women's issues so I think uh, the, the answer to your question is that as women as is powered in and you and I we're d- determined that we're going to educate the whole world about endocrinology and, and that's what we need to do. Yes and not have it like some dirty little secret. Absolutely absolutely and to educate not just women and girls but men as well because it's very important that they um, are know about their little girls periods about the fertility journey and that they're able to get involved. How do our hormones affect our bodily functions like the day-to-day stuff? So your, your hormones affect all Every one of your muscles, your skin you touched on the rain affects the bowel. Everyone forgets that the bowel is five metres of muscle wrapped up in itself. So if the hormone control centre is tired, then the hormones are off, the circadian rhythm is off, and then the bowel circadian rhythm is off, and that's why you get your bloating, your passing wind, your belching. So that's really what we call irritable bowel syndrome. I was going to say, is that what that is? that is, yeah, that's total hormone imbalance. And I get loads of patients coming into me on a gluten-free diet, and really they're not celiac, so therefore they shouldn't be on a gluten-free diet because as we both know gluten-free is fattening yes. and, and we're all watching those pounds and wanting to eat healthily. So the reason the gluten-free diet helps them is because it's easier to digest but long-term that's not the way to go. Long-term the way to go is to sort out the hormone imbalance. So that's what women need. So we, women have IBS then they, they know there is a hormone imbalance and they need to get it sorted. So the bowel is one, the heart muscle is another so if we're overtired one thing that happens is the heart muscle does and beat as much you get low blood pressure and that's why when you stand our blood pressure drops so if you have a low blood pressure and you're overtired you can faint because the receptors aren't working as fast because the hormonal circuit isn't as fast and that's why you faint so that that happens quite a bit particularly with women but with anyone that gets overtired so that's all hormonal Mm -hmm. the lungs are also a muscle right the bronchi Mm -hmm. are muscle and all fed by hormones so you know when you get a panic attack a panic attack is when the hormone control centre is tired and therefore there's less cortisol produced by the adrenal gland which is your stress hormone so if that's low then the whole receptors on the muscle aren't getting the feed and that's why you get short of breath so we're, we're you know we were brought up thinking panic attack was in your head and people sort of felt embarrassed by saying that mm-hmm. panic attacks in actual fact it is telling them that there's a hormone imbalance and that needs to be addressed and, and that you can sort it out so th- this whole that's why we need the education yes. so that people are not sort of hiding it and yes. in fact they're confronting it yes. and they're going to their doctor and they're getting the help that they need. And they're on medication absolutely. for something they don't need medication absolutely. for. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Now you said it. So heart, bowel, brain, everything uh, functions, adrenal glands, kidneys, all of these organs are primed with hormones, muscles, skin, eyes. The very common thing that I get, Lorraine, is people when they're overtired, they say they go off and get glasses. They're only in their 30s, right? And most people don't need you know reading glasses till they're early 50s mm-hmm. but remember we've six eye muscles controlling the lens and if you're very tired the hormone pulses are down so therefore it's blurry and people often notice that you know in night time particularly yeah. when they're tired at night that's when they have problems reading um, but in actual fact a lot of it once they get they rest and recharge or correct the hormone imbalance that's going on yeah. it all settles and they throw the glasses away so I'm sure loads of listeners will say yeah there's a light bulb <laughs> there now you know but that's actually what happens. Well that, that brings me to my next question to look after our hormone health what are the basic things that we should be doing? So the basic things, Lorraine, are recharging, you know, to, to uh, uh, really to, to value oneself is the real important thing. And that's why I always go on about self-esteem for men and women. Because once you value yourself, you will eat healthily. So mm. you've got to eat healthily. Um, and eat healthily means three good meals a day because physiologically the bowel wants to eat morning, midday and evening. And you always start with your two glasses in the morning. And that's key because... Two glasses of water beside of water. the bed, you absolutely, always say. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And don't drink them 
during the night. I don't want them to disrupt sleep, but have it in the morning or the minute you wake up and then have it after washing and dressing. Because the bowel is five metres long. It needs that water to propel it. We have a slower metabolism as women, so we definitely need it. But remember, we're all so busy that you're, if you get the two glasses in in the morning, well, then you'll hopefully get one in at 11 o'clock at lunchtime and at three. But I don't want you drinking after six o'clock because the bowel is relaxing. It's no good to you. And you're just going to end up putting the bladder and getting up and disturbing your night's sleep. So yes. we don't want that. We've all read about how important the gut health is. So water obviously primes that and that's real important. So get your porridge in the morning or your natural yogurt with your with your blueberries. Don't overdo the fruit. Some people overdo fruit. You've got to watch you don't go over your four portions. Because of the sugar. Absolutely. The natural sugar. So one banana, a tablespoon of blueberries and maybe two apples. Keep it to that. Some people overdo it. A lot of women do actually. Making when smoothies they're tired. as well. You yeah. Know, you throw in all sorts of fruit yes. and you think you're doing the best yeah. thing ever. Yeah. Because when we're tired, we go for sugar and mm-hmm. sometimes people overdo even the natural fruits. So you need to watch that. So then lunchtime, you have you need to get greens on the plate. So your lettuce, your tomatoes, your cucumber. You can have your avocado, your salmon, your chicken, your tuna. Try and go for the organic stuff. Let, let, less processed, please, because mm-hmm. that's really important in hormonal health because we don't want anything extra coming in. So less processed is always the way. And then your two slices of bread. That's key because women eat too much bread, too much carbohydrate, and that uh, causes weight gain around the tummy, which we'll be talking about when, when it comes to menopause, when, when it slows down. We yes. don't want that. And in the evening, then your half plate of green veg because greens are less in sugar. Your quarter plate of meat or fish. Try and get fish, oily fish twice a week. And then your one small potato or your quarter plate of brown rice or your quarter plate of brown pasta. So there's your three meals. Of course, you can have the treat I twice was coming a week. To that, please. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you can have the treat twice a week. You know, yeah. one of the things I do myself is have a natural yogurt with an apple shopped in it. That that does me. But somebody said to me, can I have a chocolate rice cake, you know, every evening? And yes, you can, so long as that's it. And yes. so long as you don't go for the whole packet. So it's yes. about discipline. If you're not that person, then don't have it at all. What about liquid cake? A glass of wine? No, well, or grapes, one of my five a day? <laughs> well, yes, yeah. So as women, we can have, you know, you can definitely have seven glasses of wine a week. That's it. So it's all got to do with quantity. Once we don't overdo it, that's, yes. that, that's the secret. Yes. And exercise is another important part. Very important, Lorraine. So 30 minutes a day, ideally. Now, if you're very tired and your hormone control centre is very tired, that's not the time to go pounding the rose. That's only going to make that pituitary gland, that hormone control centre, tireder. And you're not achieving anything uh, by doing that. So it's time to listen to the body, plug in and rest. But if your healthy and energy is 10 out of 10, which mm-hmm. it should be if your hormonal health is good, then you are going to uh, go and do your 30 minutes exercise every day. And as I always say to people, like I don't want, a lot of women come in to me getting up at half five in the morning to get this exercise in. That's mad, okay? I love when you say, you know, don't push it. Listen Absolutely. to your body. If you're tired, yeah, yeah. don't feel like you have to go for that run before Absolutely. you start a day's yeah. work or indeed after a day's now work. No, you said it. It has to be realistic. So I always say, because like, they're not getting their eight hour sleep, which they have to re- to recharge that hormone control centre. Because if that's not recharged, then all the hormones are off. They have the muscle pain, they have the irritable bowel, they don't sleep right. Because remember, hormones control your muscles. So if the hormones are off, your muscles aren't relaxed, therefore you don't get your eight hour sleep. So it becomes a vicious circle. So it's really important that we go to bed at 10 and get up, say, at seven. Going to bed at 10, half 10, you're going to get the eight hour sleep. Because who goes to sleep straight away? I certainly don't. You I know? wish. My yes. husband. <laughs> yes, yes. So, you know, we have to be realistic. So I always say to women who come into me wrecked, not to be getting over to up at half five, try and get the exercise in, in, the, in at lunchtime, you know, yes. or, or do it maybe in, in, in the evening when you come home. But don't be trying to stretch the day and then you're really going to, to We do enough. It. We do too much yes. as it is. Yes, yeah. that, that's really yeah. nonsensical. Yeah. Um, we know as women that our periods can, can vary, mm. um, especially when you're starting your period as a teenager mm. for the mm. first time. What is a normal period? I mean, is it seven days? Is it five days? Is there such thing as a normal period? So it's definitely not seven days, Lorraine. It's so good we're having this conversation. So the normal period starts, so puberty starts at usually 12, right? Now, th- we do see it sometimes earlier, but thankfully it's only 12. I and mean, we want them to, it's it's even dreadful that it was designed that they didn't have the first period of 21. Yes. As we both know, because we've got young daughters. Mm-hmm. But so 12 is the usual, but it's not, some, uh, for listeners, you know, they might not have to have the first period 
16. So we do see that. It's not very common, but we do see it. So don't, I don't want mothers or girls listening to this to get alarmed because it can happen up to 16. So when a puberty happens, what happens, and we don't want to get too technical here, I want people to understand it. Mm-hmm. So the FSH hormone in that pituitary gland, the hormone control centre, pushes the ovaries to produce eggs. And then there's one egg usually formed. And then on day 14 of the cycle, so that's day one. So day 14 of the cycle, there's this big surge of another hormone called LH in the pituitary that peaks up to cause ovulation, right? And then when you get ovulation, if the egg isn't fertilised, you form this corpus luteum, which secretes progesterone, and then you get your period 14 days later. So you mentioned, Mary, FSH and LH. Can you explain to us what they are, please? Of course. So FSH is the follicular stimulating hormone. So it stimulates the follicles in your ovaries to produce eggs. And it it stems from the pituitary gland. So that starts, you know, from just before 12, if you're getting your periods at 12, that's when it starts pushing those ovaries. But it also pushes the the lining of the womb. So that's why if it's over-secreting, you get your your very heavy periods. Ah. So that's what your follicular stimulating hormone is. And your LH, then is your luteinizing hormone and that causes the ovulation so that's where if the pituitary gland is well recharged you're getting your real peak in your luteinizing hormone which causes the the egg to be released from the ovary so that that's the key we now think that lutein, the research is showing that luteinizing hormone is probably also uh, stimulating your egg development but the f the follicular st- stimulating one is the key one but lh has to be go into a peak to get ovulation so i get all these women coming into me overtired wondering why they're not getting pregnant and of course just because of the period they didn't ovulate because the lh went up but not high enough my that's the problem because you would think if you're getting a period mm-hmm. that you know you're fertile and no, no and that's if you stick why we, to your dates you should be able to yeah, conceive yeah so that's why we do the day threes and the day 21s because we want to see if you've ovulated and a lot of those women the progesterone didn't go up so they didn't ovulate My yeah goodness. so and you can ignore that for years and years no you yeah. said it and that's yeah. why I always say to women you know it, it does take allow a year to get pregnant right the period should only be at most three to four days and no more than that right if it's if it's going on to seven days it means there's a disturbance in that FSH LH ratio and that means that that FSH is pounding the eastern receptors Mm -hmm. all over the body but particularly on the lining of the womb so that's why they get their very heavy periods also the the eastern receptors on the breasts that's why you get the lumpy breasts and those Mm -hmm. women get the very cystic breasts and it it also can cause some migraine because you're pumping eastern receptors so the the key thing for that is that those girls should be treated they shouldn't have seven day periods and I'm back, shocked when you say mm, three to four yeah yeah absolutely so I and I regularly get women coming in to me sort of you know in their 20s or 30s where they're trying to have a family and they're exhausted but th- when I go through their history and go back to puberty they've had really heavy periods so the pituitary gland has actually got very tired from pumping out FSH for, for 20 years because if I'm seeing their 30s is going on for 20 years and as a result of that they're coming to me wrecked so that has to be sorted out first and those people can often some of them would get endometriosis which is over uh, where, where they, those receptors are being pumped too much on the lining of the womb but you get endometrium everywhere else as well and cause the terrible adhesions as, as the people listening in who have endometriosis will know. So from a very young age from puberty we should be getting the advice and, and the attention of yes. an endocrinologist yeah, checking yes. our bloods. And the GPs are very up to date now because we, we're, we're educating them all on hormonal health so they would certainly know as well Lorraine yeah. what hormones to check and, and that if somebody was getting very heavy periods that this needs to be treated and that it's not normal and that it shouldn't be as it was done 20 years ago we all remember girls in our class that were sent home with a hot water bottle and told to cuddle up on the bed for a few days yes. and just get on with it mm-hmm. you know so that was wrong mm-hmm. and that's why we're here today educating mothers and daughters and fathers and telling them no this you need to act on this because if you don't not only are they going to suffer with dreadful pain and missing school and painful breasts and painful periods and back pain with it is dreadful mm-hmm. but on top of that they're going to have fertility problems down the road because of endometriosis mm-hmm. and maybe cysts on their ovaries as well so we don't want that so that's one one sign periods mm. heavy periods longer periods than three to four days mm. of hormonal 
in balance. Um, what else should young women look out for? So obviously all women get acne and that's and that's very normal. Mm-hmm. And But if it is very severe uh, acne and if you've got, ex- we all remember of hair in our face, that's normal, right? But if it's excessive, then you have to think about is there a hormone imbalance? So for example, some women have polycystic ovary disease. So they've they, because of too much that abnormal ratio of FSH, they've got cysts on the ovaries. And these cysts produce two hormones. One is estrogen, which converts, the excess estrogen converts to testosterone, the male hormone. And that's what causes this excess acne and the excess hair growth. Yeah, that's what does it. Yeah. And then the other thing that those uh, cysts produce too much insulin, but it's the bad insulin and it makes fat. So that's why those women and girls struggle to to, uh, lose weight. So they have a slow metabolism. Very easy sort this out. So it's again all about knowing what to look for, going and getting the help you need. And it's so easy to treat polycystic ovary disease. And again, this causes fertility problems down the road so that that we don't want that. It also causes obesity problems because it's associated with a slow metabolism and obesity. And that Mm -hmm. has huge physical health complications, but also mental health complications. You know, young girls having problems losing weight and with the social media age we're in now where everyone wants to be a size whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that that's very hard for them of all their of all their their friends. There's more attention on yes, them now than, than when we were younger. So there's no need for that. And yeah. and again, I suppose I'm going to use this medium, Lorraine, to, to encourage girls to be self-empowered and not to follow all this stick thin thing. That you know, once you, once you feel happy, how you look in the mirror, that you, that's what you need to go and for. Feel and feel healthy and feel have the healthy. energy that you uh, should. And not have. be going by this picture of some person who's emaciated. No. Uh, that we, we don't want you following that. We want no. you to look in the mirror love yourself as you are as boys do remember boys are very very empowered we want our girls to be the same let's go to the the next stage of our hormone um journey if you like the 20s and 30s Mm. and as you have told me before um I now know there are different stages of hormone health as we move through life can you explain to everybody listening what those five stages are. Okay, so we've already spoke about the 12 to 20 years when you're becoming a young woman. So we've talked about puberty starting at 12, but for some it doesn't start till 16, so not, not to get alarmed. And then, we, you know, you go on to age 20 and that's lovely. And for the first year, the periods are irregular, but then they should be regular and they should be four days and, and, and that's it. And they should be first day light, a little bit heavy, but next three days would be light. That would be the norm, right? It shouldn't be where you're absolutely soaked and you're having to, you know, wear a tampon every hour or wear a pad every hour. That shouldn't be the case. So so that needs to be addressed if that's the case. Then the next uh, phase is the 20 to 30 years, uh, discover independence. And I know you're going to be talking about the hormonal health uh, guides that Lynn Marine have done. The essential guide to which, female hormones. Yes, yeah. which, which, which is excellent. So that that's all in that. And you'll be talking about that later. But the 20 to 30 years then is discovering independence. So that's where nowadays... You know, in my mother's generation, women all had their babies then. Nowadays, girls are just really getting into their zone, going to college, yeah. being empowered mm-hmm. and, and having really a career. having a career and, and hopefully eating healthily, doing the exercise, getting the, the um, recharging, getting the eight hour sleep so that their, their, their periods are not changing. Because if they do get overtired, then there will be uh, an effect on the period. So my, my encouragement there is to in the 20s and 30s or the 20s, the 30s, era, you know, just enjoy being empowered as a young woman, enjoy rocking it, but don't forget the basics, which is eat healthily, get your eight hours sleep, because otherwise your hormone control centre will get tired and your cycle will go out of sync. So yes. we don't want that. Yes. And the other thing I'll bring in there is not to over-exercise, because we do get some women over-exercising. So if you do over-exercise, you actually uh, put up the prolactin hormone too high and that interferes with ovulation and you can shut off your periods completely. So we don't want that. And another point, Lorraine, that I want to make is that some women go in the, in the first phase of 12 to 20 years, they overdiet because the pressure of social media and they become almost anorexic. And if you do that, the, the fat around the ovary will go. And once the ovary realizes that it's been deprived, the, the pituitary gland will stop 
pulsing and it, you basically lose your periods. Now, in So some, again, that stops ovulation. Again, that stops ovulation and might affect fertility down the road. So right. I would caution young women about right. that. Yeah, so, so you know, and sometimes it don't, they don't come back, even though in most cases we do get them back. But you don't want to have that heartache down the road and putting yourself through unnecessary uh, journey when you don't need to. So that's very, very important. So the next thing then is 30 to 40 years, which nowadays people consider motherhood. And th- what I always say to women is, you know, try not to, to leave it too late. So I, I always say to women, try and do it in the early 30s if you can, because you don't want to be popping them out one year after the other if you do want a family of three, right? Yes, yeah. So if you're coming in, th- you know, 38, you're, you're really putting pressure on yourself. Mm-hmm. Whereas start at 30 and maybe next one at 32 and next one at 34 if you want a family of three or two, okay? Mm-hmm. I always caution women as well because, you know, nowadays when we're working and we're having family, women, and I remember and you remember when the kids were small, you'd have 20 of them, Lorraine. They're mm-hmm. so, it's, a, it's the hormones. It's addictive. It's addictive, <laughs> you know, but you forget that they are going to grow into teenagers. teenagers and yeah. you forget that they need all this time, that the children yes. didn't need 20 years ago. True. So I always tell pe- women that when they tell me they want to have four, five and six, I say mm. wonderful for, so you know, but but it's hard on you and you have to remember you have to, you have to wear these. And especially if you want to have a career as well. Absolutely, that they're juggle. not putting too much pressure on themselves, mm-hmm. you know, so so that, that's the only thing I would say. Mm-hmm. So what I always say to women is, you know, make sure that you talk to somebody about your fertility because you don't want to be, a lot of people when they start having family, they think it's going to happen because everybody else it happens for. Everyone else isn't honest. They don't tell you about how long the, they were the, trying. Absolutely. Or, yeah, because for, absolutely, because for a lot of people it's agony, you know. Everyone expects to get pregnant straight away. I run a fertility clinic and I'm forever hearing about lovely women that come into me and they're saying, my my sister-in-law is popping babies out, my you know, my friends are and I can't get pregnant and they're so upset. So nobody speaks about their agony. I think it's the nuns. I blame the nuns. <laughs> they told us it was really easy <laughs> and to be very careful. Oh, well, we, we, we've lovely nuns too, I suppose, with they've, they've been they <laughs> I was in a convent school, I know, yeah. I know, I know. Yeah. But I suppose what we need to do is, um, you know, just to tell women to to not leave, to, to, to get on with it in the 30s, not leave it too late because you're not as fertile. Your fertility isn't as good in your early 40s. Now, I, I, women do get pregnant in their 40s and I have lovely women all the time having babies up to 45, 46. But ideally, it's best in your, in your 30s. Can so I go off point just for a little of bit? Of course. Because you've just reminded me of something there. It's easier said than done sometimes when you say try and have your babies between Mm. 30 and 35, Um, especially when we are all, a lot of us are focusing on career and at that stage of our career, we're kind of at our peak. Yes. Would you recommend freezing eggs? Yeah, and again, it's very much up to individuals. So if women want to do that and some companies have, have allowed it, mm-hmm. well, then that's great. Because if you haven't, if you're in your 30s and even late 30s, and you haven't met the right partner, well, then there's a pressure on. Yes. And women in particular feel this pressure. Yes. And and that's not nice for them because they might choose the wrong partner. Yes. And, and, you know, that's not good for them or the child. Um, and they're in a healthy relationship for years, which we don't want that dysfunction. Functionality. So, no, I, I would say yes. If, if they haven't made the right partner, why not go for it? Oh, yes, absolutely. It's another option. It's another option and it's a very good one that you brought up. Yeah, and it absolutely. takes the pressure off then It as does. Well. It yeah. does. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I would also bring in at this time that men also need to get on with it. That was Be- my next yes. part. Yes. You know, what, what part do men have to so play in all of this? So we now know, you see, you know, the, the, the what is it, Mike Jacker goes on and lets on that men can go on forever. But, you know, that's <laughs> not healthy. You know, it, I, I, you know, ideally, you don't want a father in 70s and there, there's fathers that I know in their 70s but you know it to be fair to the child as well I don't think that's real but from a scientific point of view the sperm begins to defragment uh, believe it or not from 45 on. So there is a biological so clock for there, men too. There is and, and this was never spoken about and I chaired an IVF committee in the Vi- Vitality, no it wasn't the Vitality Conference, it was a conference in Croke Park last year but it was very interesting. I asked one of the main guys uh, in Spain internationally who does IVF and I just said to him tell me about what's the ideal time that you want a semen sample and he said well up to 45 and, and he said definitely not more than 50 and I said why and he said because the the, the, the sperm can have DNA fragmentation that and that has loads of problems with psychiatric issues and, and so forth uh, as well as loads of other health complications so he said ideally 45 but definitely not more than 50 now this is not something no, that has ever been told yeah. to us we, we, and as women, we felt challenged trying to 
have our babies at a cer- before a certain time yeah. and men felt they could go on forever and where I used to have issues in the fertility clinic I had women coming in to me whose, whose men were you know their, their partner was late 40s and he was saying there's no rush and she had this pressure because she was dying to get to get going yeah. and he was saying I'm no rush so that's not yeah. good, fair to those women either so I think that's why we need education in this area and say look at you know to, to be fair to both we want healthy children but you know we're all better parents too uh, if we're younger because it needs loads of energy so for loads of reasons but uh, we want to be fair to everyone yeah Okay, on to my area then, the 40s plus. <laughs> I know so much about perimenopause, my goodness, and menopause now. But um, I had it for years, as I said earlier, and didn't know um, before my chance meeting with Clean Marine and before I met you, Mary. Can you explain to people that don't know uh, what the symptoms are of perimenopause and what to look out for? So perimenopause is, as you said, Lorraine, it usually happens between 45 and 50, but it can happen from 40 and indeed it can can happen from 37. I was in my late 30s. I think I was 37, 38. Absolutely. And if your mother had an early menopause, you are in My mother said she had no menopause. Oh, she was one (laughs) of the lucky ones. No, she she did. We all, listen, we know. (laughs) We experienced it and she doesn't mind talking about it now, but that was when I started having... Yes, this conversation yes, yeah. because of her generation she of was course. saying to me I don't know why you're talking about that there's no yeah, need yes, but yeah. then when she came to one of our talks you know she realised that actually yeah, the light bulbs went yeah, off yeah, yeah. and yeah. it is wonderful to be talking about it so anyway Fabulous. the signs so the perimenopause basically is when the eggs are becoming depleted in the ovary the FSH hormone in the pituitary gland or the hormone control centre which is pushing those uh, um, ovaries to produce eggs it basically it's pushing more because there's less eggs so that FSH goes off up in the pituitary gland which remember is controlling all the hormones to all the muscles in mm-hmm. all the organs so as a result the, the hormones crash at every nerve muscle junction so there's an effect on the bowel there's an effect on all those organs that I spoke about there's an effect on the muscles so that's why you have the aches and pains muscle that's why you're not sleeping right mm-hmm. and of course that creates the vicious circle because that furthers the hormone imbalance mm-hmm. so that's why in perimenopause you have the aches and pains you have the irritable bowel syndrome you have the migraines yeah. you might have problems with memory because with the lower oestrogen oestrogen controls memory also your yeah. yes that's it and because of the disrupted sleep because those muscles aren't getting the right hormones the pituitary gland isn't recharging as well as it did and that's the reason lack of libido lack and, and of libido, yes. lots of those things I put down to just being busy you know yeah. rushing around and mm-hmm. you know overthinking things in bed at night mm. and so all of the aches and pains that I had and the kind of low moods and the you know being irritable mm. and just not feeling myself mm. like a libido I just put it all down to the fact that I was no. a busy person and, and I get loads of women like you Lorraine and that's why I'm so delighted that Clean Marine did the hormone health talks and set it up that we did last year yeah. but also that we're now having this podcast because it is about education of society of young girls of women women but of men as well and it's you know those women you know if you don't know if you don't have the knowledge then what can you do about yeah. it you're going around taking tablets you don't need to yeah. P- women are being told they're depressed they're not depressed you know and that's key so I, I, it empowers women to know that this is all it is you know mm-hmm. they're not thinking because what if you don't know you're worrying about everything and it the, could be x y and z and you're getting into a panic and there's enough going on in your life without that mm-hmm. so it's really important to have the knowledge you know this is what it is and this is a normal normal and this is a normal phenomenon and for some women if it's early they might need help and, and they can get the help because obviously it's hard to function if you have all those symptoms going on I so know. you can either take a supplement and Clean Marine as we know have a supplement a natural supplement where you have all the vitamins that you need the vitamin B6 B12 uh, you've got the omega 3 which is really important for and you have the vitamin D for the bone health and then you have the isoflavins as well but there, you know but the healthy diet get that in get the diet get this sleep in but it's a really uh, important point that if women know about this they're, they're, they're told get back to basics make sure you're resting make sure you're pacing make sure you're getting the water in and then if you need to get the, the supplements take them but there's help there and you don't have to suffer alone that's exactly. the big message and, and that's what's so important that we do have options you don't have to yeah. muddle through or, yes. yeah. or kind of suffer in silence yes. like I did yeah. Um, yeah. the clean marine for women is for kind of puberty up until 40, isn't it? It is, Um, yes, yeah. So for my daughters, say, for example, from their age, Mm. um, if they're having hormonal issues around their period, um, 
it would be helpful for them to take one. Absolutely, absolutely. And what I would preface it by saying is, as a doctor, I always say, get the diet right first, right? That's key. And make sure you have the sleep right, make sure you have the hydration right. But then if you do need supplements, because I mean, everyone is rushing around, yes. people are busy, yes. uh, definitely take the supplement the food, then because it's got everything in it. And you always say the food that arrives on our plate now has probably been, mm. you know, on five journeys before it gets to our plate. It's not like years mm. ago where you would grow it's a lot not of... fresh, exactly. Yeah, yes, or you'd yeah. have your, your small, vegetables. you know, veg market and you'd buy your mm. meat from your butchers and whatever else. So because of that, unfortunately, mm. we do need to supplement Absolutely. to get the, the extras that we're missing out on yeah. our food. I have patients coming into me with bags of tablets. You have no idea. And they're, they've about 10 different supplements and it's costing them a fortune. So I was delighted when I, when diff, you know, Glimmering came and said, right, we've got one supplement and everything is in it. So obviously it's cutting down the cost, but it's also cutting down the over supplementation, which does happen, yeah. particularly in America. I didn't want it happening here. So that's one of the reasons that I said, well, do you yeah. know what, if as an expert, I come out and I speak about hormonal health but also on top of healthy eating and getting the sleep and the hydration it get, you know do get supplement where everything is in it as opposed yeah. to putting yourself under financial duress but buying 20 supplements and over supplementing I didn't want that Okay I know of course what is in the Clean Marine Menamin supplement because yes. I've been taking it for almost four years now but can you explain to us the ingredients and why it's important that they are in there Of course so Clean Marine Menamin contains omega 3 so omega 3 is really important for the heart and I mentioned about heart uh, it's been really really critical that women uh, take note that they're at the same risk as getting a heart attack as men after menopause really important biotin is there for the um, hair growth because again with hormone imbalance and perimenopause and menopause you can get loss of hair and even after pregnancy we all know after having a child you can lose it absolutely there. I did in clumps in yeah, the shower yeah, yeah yeah and people worry about it but, it but it all comes back but it's biotin is a natural supplement that helps the rosemary oil is equally important that's really good uh, for hormonal health. The isoflavins or the soya, the natural estrogens, they're very important. You heard me say this at the Hormonal Health Talks. You know, in Asia, the women don't have as much uh, menopausal symptoms because there's so much soya in their diet. And sushi that's because and sushi, yeah, absolutely. The Japanese women in particular have very, very, you know, these much amazing? better experience than what we do. So soya is very important. So the soya isoflavins in it. The B6 and B12 are very good for the nervous system. So nervous system is under pressure, menopause because of the low estrogen. So that all helps and that's really important. And then the vitamin D, of course, I spoke to it is so important, bone health, but also for immune function, for cell function. Vitamin D is key. And in Ireland, we don't have enough vitamin D. And particularly now in COVID times, we definitely don't have enough. We didn't get away on that. No, and our summer was not the summer we thought. It was wonderful lockdown, but didn't yeah. continue. So the vitamin D is completely RDI here in, in the Clean Marine Supplement, exactly what, what, what you need and you don't need anything extra. So that's Fantastic. really important. It's really important because there are so many supplements out there. Mm. It's a minefield and... and well, know. I always got worried, as I said to you, Lorraine, and you heard me say this before, you know, the bags of tablets coming in yeah. and people were taking over too much and yeah. that is not right. And the right. of it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. They were spending 150-200 euros on a, on a supplements and taking them the wrong amounts and that that's not good. So yeah. that, that's why I do endorse this. And it's amazing for somebody um, in the medical profession as an endocrinologist, mm. as high up as you are in in the the profession, to endorse a, a natural health supplement. Yeah, absolutely. But why not? You know, I mean, if it's natural and it's it's there to for the benefit of people, it why not? It does exactly what it says on the absolutely. tin. Absolutely. And, and mm -hmm. what, what we need to do, I think, as medics is sort of advise people because otherwise the mm -hmm. space is going to be taken over by people who are who are talking who don't know about it. And I think it's very important that, that we come into that space and we lead from the front. Mary, I didn't know that I was in perimenopause and a lot of people are in the same situation as me. Menopause being the same, there's a lot of women that don't know they're actually in menopause. How do we recognise the symptoms? How do we know that this is where we are and what do we do about Good. it? Good. So we just spoke about perimenopause. So uh, perimenopause is where the eggs are, as we said, where we're going down and the FSH up and we've spoken about symptoms. So when the eggs become totally depleted in the ovaries, the FSH levels go up, which is controlling egg production in the pituitary gland. That puts huge pressure on that hormone control 
control centre, which is controlling all the hormones around the body. So therefore the hormones crash at nerve muscle junction. That's why you get the aches and pains, but way worse than perimenopause. That's why you get the irritable bowel syndrome, the lack of sleep, way worse. The peripheral nerve pain is way worse. A lot of women come into me with burning feet, restless legs that in- interferes with their sleep because the hormones are down at nerve muscle junction. And on, on top of that, they feel very emotional. They, they're crying. They're not depressed though. They're just exhausted because if all these hormones are down and if their muscles aren't relaxing at night and they're burning feet, they can't get their sleep. So things are just becoming a vicious circle. Okay. And of course, the periods stop. Now, they the, don't always, though, should they don't? Yes. And you don't always get hot flushes. That's, that's the other thing. That's the other thing. Yeah. So for some women, the periods stop, but they might get a deluge a few months later, right? And I always tell women, carry pads around in your bag because some women get seriously caught out. And that could go on, like, you know, it could start, for example, at 48. It mightn't start at 50, but it mightn't finish till three and four and five years later. So it does go on for a long time and women need to know that because knowledge is key and then they're prepared for it. And the other thing, women will be listening and say, I sailed through it and we got this, Lorraine, when we went through the the, the hormone health talks last mm-hmm. year. You know, 20% sailed through it. But remember, the other 80% don't. And of that 80%, 60% will, you know, they'll know all about it, but they'll get through it with a bit of help. And we'll talk about the help in a minute. But there's 20% that absolutely die. They mm-hmm. get horrendous symptoms, mm-hmm. horrendous sweats, horrendous flushing. They have to change their blouse every, you know, hour. Hours, yeah. It's dreadful. Yeah. And, and they get really depressed. And I know I, I just told, told this story at one of the, the talks that we did last year, the Hormone Health Talks with Clean Marine, where um, a poor woman was so anxious that she came into me and her husband came in with her and she had to go, he had to be with her at all times. She was so anxious. Now, her mother had been locked away in an institution and she came in saying, please don't lock me away. Her anxiety was to such a high level. My goodness. So that but the generation a, previously, absolutely. they thought, that, that she that, was gone mad. Absolutely. Lock so, her up. Yeah, and she has done so well with, with, with uh, you know, treatment and she's now in a very normal life but her daughter has been empowered looking on thinking, thank God, I now know in 20 years' time I'm going to be okay. I'm not going to yeah. be like my grandmother who was locked away. Yeah. So, you know, very important that we have these conversations to mm-hmm. reassure those 20% that are absolutely going to suffer, yeah. that they get that there, there is help there. So and we saw those women come out crying to us. We did. In their 70s and 80s saying, why the hell was this not done? for yeah. us you know and women younger women that were were just relieved that they weren't going mad that's right no, yeah. <laughs> you know especially when I would tell my personal story um, they were just delighted that yeah. it what they weren't alone now you that said it was it. actually very common now you said it absolutely so for menopause you know as I said get the basics right do the, do the healthy eating the getting the sleep make sure to recharge you need it way more in perimenopause and menopause than you do at any other time because that hormone control centre is tired with those hormones moving so you really need to look at that it's probably a time as well to get your your thyroid checked as we should in in, in all cases because it does very much uh, change uh, in women in particular but it can also affect fertility so I just want to mention that but as you know this is a time where you need support you need to really plug in you need to recharge you need to be empowered as a woman and ask your partner for help Mm -hmm. because a lot of women you know are rearing kids but they take too much on The, the, Mm -hmm. the man signed up as well so ask him don't fight with him just be empowered enough to say darling I need you to do them tonight I'm going off for my hair blow dry or else I'm going to my yoga you know yes. uh, you just need to take the time out to recharge and listen to your body but then if, if, if that doesn't work then we've got loads of medications for peripheral nerve pain which work really well and a lot of these it annoys me um, at the moment you know for example lodosamotriptyline we use as endocrinologists all the time because diabetics suffer from per- 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 peripheral nerve pain and neuropathy so do thyroid patients but I you know a lot of um, they in the years ago used to be used as antidepressants they were useless antidepressants at really high doses but in low doses they work amazingly well for menopause peripheral nerve pain for thyroid um, and you know if, if they get neuropathy and also diabetics but it annoys me when I see them misleadingly put down as antidepressants which they're not so I just want to say that point because it depends on the dose it's Absolutely. like any medication though the and they're dosage. also used for pain all the time by all the pain specialists so when I see misleadingly that the amount of antidepressants has 
gone up in COVID, I go, I get annoyed because I know that I'm using these for peripheral nerve pain relating to menopause and perimenopause, but I'm also using them for pain management in my diabetics who have neuropathy and so forth. So we just need to get that straight. Yes. And that, that again needs more education. Um, but then the other thing for those women where that doesn't suffice, there is HRT. I always would uh, preface it by saying HRT should only be used in certain circumstances. It is very, very good. But obviously we don't we don't use it as first line, but it is necessary for some patients. Yeah. And, and and obviously it's it's brilliant for some patients. But we always do the, the other stages and it's, it's 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 used and you don't use it if there's a family history of breast or ovarian cancer, you most certainly don't use it. So mm. I suppose the, the point is there are lots of options out there. There are. And that's where the education is key. Yeah. These women need help and they need to know before they face into the journey what's ahead of them. But and then they're empowered because mm-hmm. education is empowerment and then you can make your decision on what you want to do. So the lovely thing is loads of options mm-hmm. and we've that hormone health book that we both contributed, which is f- fantastic. That's on the website. And I would encourage every woman, every child, every school to download it because yes. it's 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 education. It's empowering men and women, young boys, young girls about this, which is so important because without fertility, without hormones, without women having periods, we wouldn't have any uh, human race. Exactly. So it's so important that we're having this conversation, yes. right? Yes. But we don't want those young girls to be suffering. That day is gone. We don't want women to be suffering. That day is gone. And as we both said, menopause is the new second spring. And, mm-hmm. you know, women should be their only 50 when menopause happens. We're all happens. living longer now, There's Mary. another 46 yeah. years left, hopefully, yeah. you know. So it's no longer, uh, you know, you're not old at 50. <sighs> kind of the, the dirty little secret, that kind of mm-hmm. taboo mm-hmm. of, oh, if you're in menopause, you're past it. Do you know Absolutely I mean, nonsense. Your last we need to change that narrative. But maybe that was when people were, were dying at 60. Yeah. We're now dying, yeah. you know, yeah. much later, hopefully Absolutely. living till 80 or 90. Absolutely. And, you know, those w- women, I mean, I had a patient interview recently and she's a real high powered female, but she suffered dreadfully during menopause. And she, I I'd, um, treated her and she did brilliantly. And I got a lovely phone call from her. And, and she said, you know, I got my position because of the help I got. And, you know, she oh. will go on and empower other women so there's so many women that are doing brilliantly in society in real high power jobs and in all sorts of jobs but they're getting on with it with all this hormonal fluctuation going on from the age of 12 to 55 and they need support because mm-hmm. they have women unlike men have to keep going you can't just sit down and, and lock yourself away during all this time you have to keep going and that's why women are so brilliant because they do just learn to cope from a very early age because of this yes. but society needs to embrace this and understand this and fathers and mothers need to give more support as does society and and we need to educate women that yeah menopause you're in the beginning your second life and Mm -hmm. second spring and there's another 40 50 years left and that's the way we need to and one thing I want to talk about is osteoporosis because when you lose oestrogen as you do with menopause uh, your bone health comes into play and you know that's very important and in Ireland we don't have enough sunshine vitamin D levels are very low I'm checking in now in COVID and they're unbelievably low because people aren't going off to get the sunshine and I'm getting patients with vitamin D levels of 30 when they should be 70 and 80 so it's so important for hormonal health vitamin D and it's so important for all cell growth so and it's so important for bone health so very important that women uh, you know watch their bone health particularly after menopause because we don't want osteoporosis and it's totally preventable and how do they check their bone health again blood tests blood DEXA scan blood tests to check their calcium levels but uh, a DEXA scan very it's very low in radiation very very minimal radiation get a DEXA scan and it just tells us where their bone health is and for the majority they just need to do it to diet and take vitamin D because usually there's enough calcium in our diet and we don't need extra calcium we're having cheese and yogurt and milk okay. but for some we do need other treatments and and then the, but the lovely thing is they can be treated and they're not going to go around with this hump that we saw older women you know lose complete height that's and, what that is yeah, my goodness dreadful. so what age would you be thinking of that maybe 50 yeah but again age. perimenopause they should have a DEXA you know it depends when they got there when 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 they got perimenopause so if they become menopausal in, at 45 they should be getting at 45 if however they're become menopausal at 50 get it at 50 okay. but you should be getting it every three years then going forward up until you're 96 because the one thing you don't want is 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 fractures you don't want losing height and you don't want it because you have to get desperate back pain with osteoporosis if it's untreated if you've if you've fractures 
of the pelvis and fractures of the spine mm-hmm. and it causes horrendous complications but it's all preventable so we need to be doing this and of course the exercise is great for bone health as well so diet exercise sleep but also you, you get the necessary help and we cover all of that in our little guide we do as well we do your guide. we do and just yeah. quickly I want to mention heart health for, for, for fear I forget it Lorraine um, women are at risk of heart disease the exact same as men once we become menopausal so the minute oestrogen dips your risk is the same as, as a man so you know I'm the Irish spokesperson for uh, women in the Irish Heart Foundation because we, we did a campaign there recently a few years ago because women were coming in with their heart attacks in their 50s not getting because they didn't know and you see the, we had the campaign for men and they mm-hmm. always watch out for heart attack but women get different symptoms they don't always get the chest pain they might just be, become very tired and they might have blocked arteries so it's completely avoidable so it's all about education go to your GP get your cholesterol checked if you're worried if you're tired you know get, get the ECG done a good cardiac history will, will, will tell us whether you're having angina which is where the arteries are blocked and remember it's all about you know your cholesterol being under 5 your blood pressure being normal no abdominal obesity which unfortunately in menopause our metabolisms, metabolism slows down and you do put on weight and that's very tough for women yes. because they have this fabulous figures, no problem eating healthily, keeping the weight down. Suddenly they have to cut the carbs. On top of everything else. On top of everything <laughs> else. And it's really tough. So that needs mm. to be t- t- talked about as well. So abdominal obesity is a risk factor as well for heart disease because the fat cells in- interfere with the heart and then smoking, um, of course, as well. So it's all about cutting all those, keeping those things constant, then you've no plaque in your arteries. But women need to, you know, once menopause hits, they've got to get their their heart checked out and make sure all those parameters I spoke about are normal. So we're going to keep everyone alive till they're 100, Elaine. We are. That's what we're going to do. Absolutely, Lorraine. Mary, I could talk to you forever. Thank you so much. So in summary, get your hormones checked. Go to your GP, get your bloods done, make an appointment with an endocrinologist, whatever, just get your hormones checked. Second thing, pick up a copy of The Essential Guide to Female Hormones. It is free. Mm -hmm. It is the first time there's been a book like this Mm -hmm. put together in this country um, with lots of expert advice, including yourself. You're in there, Mary, for every age and for every stage of our hormonal journey. And give one to every single female that you know, sisters, <laughs> daughters, anybody between the ages of 10 and 80. And um, it is available, as I say, for free in all health stores, pharmacies and a free download on mm-hmm. cleanmarine.ie. Mm-hmm. So no excuses. The information is there. We need um, we need knowledge. Knowledge is key. And finally, just talk. Talk, 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 talk. Yes. Isn't that it? Yes, absolutely. Have that conversation with your daughters, your girlfriends, your sisters, your mother. Mm. The more we talk about it, the less of a taboo subject absolutely, it is. Absolutely, yeah. And the absolutely. more we learn. We owe it to ourselves. We do, we, we do, yeah. We have to live yeah. our best life. Well, it's all about education, as you said, Lorraine, and it's all about, we saw it last year when we did the hormone health lectures all around the country. The women were just, they just loved it. They wanted more. They wanted us there for longer. Yeah. And they were just calling out for it. There's such a need for it. And it's a whole area that was completely neglected once you're Educated. Once you're informed, then you can make an informed decision. And there's so much help out there, but there's no need for needless suffering. So yeah. we're all to fe- into female empowerment. Yes. And this is about empowering young women and empowering women, but also society to treat us as equals. Don't have young girls suffering needlessly. Don't have women suffering needlessly. And don't be casting them off at menopause. They have another 40 to 50 years left. Yeah. And we're showing them the way and we're mentoring them on how to do so. And if we're living our best life, everybody else around us will live theirs Absolutely. too. Absolutely, <laughs> and that's what we want. So here, here's to a long life. No, thank you, Mary. Not so lovely to have you with us today. Not at all. Thanks, Lorraine. Thanks for being here. And thanks to Lean Marine for, for doing this too. Thank you. Mm-hmm.